So we're continuing this series of one, real life, real people, real church. And this morning we're going to look at being one as the father and son are one as it pertains to children and youth. But before I get to that, as usual, I want to start uh, with the beginning and the reminder that the goal is still what Jesus speaks of in the Gospel of John. This is John from John 17, verses 20 through 23. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. He's talking about to his disciple, about his disciples, but also, and I love this, he's praying for us in that moment. The goal, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us, with us. Then, in other words, if we do that, then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory that you gave to me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way that you've loved me. So what does that look like for God? Well, I'm going to continue, even though I can't weave or I can't sew, I'm going to continue to attempt to put together this tapestry, and it's comprised of Scripture and held together by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always the thread, always the one who illuminates and enlightens us. And so I'm praying, Lord, that, or praying that, that the Lord would take this Scripture and would bring it to each of us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit in the places that it needs to be. And let me start with a proverb. You heard it a minute ago. It's uh, Proverbs 22.6, familiar proverb to many of us, familiar scriptures. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. And that brings me to a, uh, a point that is obvious, but sometimes you just need to be validated, right? <laughs> Parenting is hard. Say it with me. Parenting is hard. You know, why, you know why I say that to you this morning? Because it's hard. Parenting parenting's flat out hard. It really is. See, you have this little baby, and this little baby steals your heart, right? And, 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 and then they grow, and they explore, and they're so curious, and they get into stuff, but still, they're, 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 ha- you know, they're just your heart. And then they start to talk, and it's an amazing thing. And then they learn their favorite word, their new favorite word, and you know what that is, right? No, yeah, absolutely. It's, no, I don't know why that is, but no, no. And, and then it becomes, anyway. Uh, so they, <laughs> but even as they're going through that, even as they're in this semi-rebellious stage, they're still really adorable, well, you know, <laughs> most of the time anyway. And then they begin to grasp concepts. They begin to grow. They grasp concepts. And then they begin to understand meanings, and you get to see this, this growth that Corey described, and you get to see that begin to happen. They start to read, and you see them become just becoming, right? They're becoming who they're supposed to be. You can see it coming on. You can overlook their tendency to rebel because of all the amazing things that are going on, all this stuff that they're learning. And then it happens anywhere from 12 to 18. They suddenly get smarter than you are, and they know more about life than you do. Amen, there it is. (laughs) I knew there was at least one out there. And this is the time that parenting becomes really tough because there's a couple of things going on. You see, you want to protect your children, right? You want to keep them safe. 
you know that, that there's going to be difficulties coming, and, and so you want to protect them, and this desire that you have, it comes across as control to them, but, but it's really about protecting them. So that's going on, protect them, feels like control to them. But over here, you also understand that they need to become who God has created them to be, and they need to grow, and they need to get their wings, and they need to try stuff, and they got to experience life. So there's, don't hurt yourself, but go ahead, you know, <laughs> you know and all these things are going on at the same time, and, 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 and you're wrestling with it. You see, you need to, they need that autonomy in order to become the adult that they're supposed to come become. Because the goal was never to just raise great kids, right? The goal was to raise great adults, you know? Because they're going to grow, and they're going to become who they're supposed to be. So you wrestle with this most days. You wrestle with this protect and set free thing that's going back and forth. And the most difficult part often is that they don't get it. I'm sorry, you guys. Not, you just, you know. But it's true. You, they don't get it because they're not as smart as they think they are when it comes to life. And they don't have the experience that they need. And they're going to get that experience, but they don't have it yet, but they think they've got it. And so start your children off in the way that they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. You cling to that as a parent. You grab hold of it, and you hang on to it, because sometimes you're like, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> you know, I'm not seeing it. And, and so you hang on to it. And I want to point this out to you this morning, because all of those things that I just described that every parent goes through in one way or another, or grandparents go through too, is a picture of God and us. Think about it. In your faith journey, you, you're at this, you're, you're, you know, there, you probably had a period of time when you were young in the faith, and this is what it looked like. There's there's this road in front of you, and, and all of these things are laying there, and you, you're curious, and you want to learn more about what does it mean to be a follower of Christ, and you're excited because you're seeing new things, and you're seeing these things happen, and, and so, so you start to walk this path, and as you grow, you begin to gain a better understanding of Scripture, and, and, and then you begin to experience the Spirit of our Savior and the Spirit of our God, and, and then you get to see God's character and how much He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through his son the world might be saved. God is a God of saving, not a God of condemning. Too much con condemnation in the church. We need to get kicked that on out of here so that we can hang on to the saving part. Our God is a saving God. And if you got that condemnation stuff going on like I tend to do, just know that's not from God. It's real, just not from God. Amen. There it was. I was waiting. So we're, so we're growing and we experience God's character. And then we reach a point where we get comfortable even in a group where we might even share about God's word. And we might, you know, talk about what his expectations for us are. And some of us, might even begin to tell others how to live, whether they ask or not. And that's a funny thing, because that's like the teenage years, right? That's like the adolescent years that we have when we seem to be very, very smart and knowledgeable. 
thing is, unlike the teenage years, we know kind of the, the span that they're going to be. The adolescent years of the faith can sometimes last decades or a lifetime. It's that period of time where, though we won't, we never admit this, that's part of it, because we've got to have some humility, don't you know? We act like we know better than God. See, God has raised us up in the way that we should go, but he's not going to make us follow the path any more than you can make your kids follow the path. You show them the path, but then it's up to them, and that's hard. That's hard, because you can see it, and you know some of the stuff that they're going to get into. I mean, we, 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 love, we love our youth, right? We, we love them. We love our youth. We love our children. We can see some of the things that are going to happen in y'all's life, and we want to protect you from it, but we know that you're going to have to experience it, because that's how you learn. And we just hope that you don't hurt yourself along the way. The goal remains the same, right? The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. And what this means, this idea of one, is that we have to be willing to love our children even as they might wander even as they might stray, because you know who loves us even as we wander and even as we might stray? Our God loves us wherever we are in the things that we're doing. He's, he loves us. He's not going to let you go. It means letting them make decisions, even terrible ones sometimes, even ones that you see. you got to let them make some decisions. You hope that they're not the harmful kind, but consequences are one of the ways that we learn. And you know what God does in our spiritual journey? He lets us make decisions and choices and experience consequences because we learn and we grow and we become be you for him. We become who he created us to be. Sometimes it will take sacrifice in our lives to follow God. Sometimes it will take sacrifice in our lives to follow God and sacrifice is difficult, but it strikes me struck me earlier this week that God the Father had to let his son, who was obedient even unto the cross, he had to let his son travel a path of sacrifice that must have been devastating for the Father because he knew where it was going. I mean, we don't always know, but he knew. He knew the path. He knew where it was going to end up. He knew what his son would be going through. And he loves them. And still he had to let that happen because he loves us too. And without that, without that sacrifice, without that bridging of the gap between us and him, we're lost. Because of that sacrifice, we're found. Isn't that cool? So we train our children up in the way that they should go. We don't know what they're going to experience, but we know one thing. It's going to be life, right? Life's going to be up. Life's going to be down. Life's going to be sideways. Life's going to even be upside down. Sometimes it's going to be life, and they're going to experience life just like we do. And we also know that even in every one of the difficulties, whatever 
that they go through, whatever it is, God will raise them up because God's like that. God doesn't let us go. He lifts us up when we fall down. Did you know that he resurrects those things in our lives that we may think are dead? He's a resurrecting God. We may think it's dead and gone and impossible to bring back, but what does he do? He restores to life. God restores to life. He restores broken relationships back to life. He restores relationships with him back to life. He restores relationships with others back to life. Most of all, he brings us hope even when we can't find it. We're struggling. He has hope for us. And that's so that we can rely on the second half of that proverb. If the first, first half is, 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 is about, um, what is it? Start, start your children off in the way that they should go. The second half is even when they're old, they won't depart from it. And we can rely on that because to be one as a father and son or one is to trust. And it's to trust completely. And that's hard stuff. But it's to trust just like Jesus did that the father has our best interest in mind at all times. And when it comes to our kids and our children and our youth, we can rely on God to see them through and to see us through to walk with us. And, and, and why is that? You might go, well, okay, well, tell me more about that. Why is that? Well, let's see how, what he thinks about our children and our youth. Matthew 19, 13 through 15, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. So they were bringing kids to Jesus. Seems reasonable, but the disciples said, hey, hang on, master's busy, you know, keep the kids away, we've got to protect Jesus. Man, everybody's pulling at Jesus' time. So, it, so the disciples rebuked them and sent them, tried to send them away, and Jesus said this, he said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven is made up of such as these. It belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Let the children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. There's a couple things in there. Apparently, Jesus wanted the children to come to him. He wanted the kids. And back in that day and age, kids didn't have status. They were a lot like women. I'm sorry. But <laughs> wasn't a lot of status. Male-dominated patriarchal society. But the, and the disciples were all about that. They're protecting the rabbi. The rabbi says, uh-uh, let them come. I want them to come. You know who the, ch who the children of God are? Us. So just know this. He's saying, let me, come on. Jesus is telling you this morning. He said, come on, come know me. I, I, I say, if somebody tries to stop you, just come. Because that's what I want you to do. I want you to come. Let the children come. And he even got a little upset with him. He said, man, stop it. And God wants to do the same. You know, here at Arbor Point Church at West Jackson, you may have noticed we take a little different attitude towards children than you might find in a lot of other churches. Um, they dance and they can play. And, and I also recognize this, that that can be very difficult for those of us who are raised in churches where the children's role was to sit quietly in the pew and not be a distraction. I got the backhand plenty of times growing up. Back, I grew up in the day of the backhand. Anybody know what the day of the backhand is? Yeah, you know. That, 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 that's one of these when you make noise. It's like, you don't even look. <laughs> that's the age I grew up in. Don't be a distraction. But here, we think about this a little bit differently. And if you need to blame somebody, you're looking at who to blame. Um, but here's the thing. I just think that worship for a two-year-old looks a lot different than worship for a teenager and worship for an adult. I just think that worship for a two-year-old looks a lot like play. And I know that's a distraction. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I know the temptation is to shut it down, right? To stop it, you know, get them under control, make them behave. I had to behave. They ought to have to behave. What is going on in this place? But here's the thing. Every time I try to see this from God's perspective, when I, when, you know, when I try to put on that, those spectacles, those Jesus glasses, right, I just don't see him getting upset that our kids play in worship. I just don't see him going, that, that, ain't, that ain't right. <laughs> and look, I know it's a ho- this is a holy moment. This is a holy time. God's presence is here. This is, this is our opportunity to come into the throne room. But this verse challenges me to the core. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. It's not just let them come. It's do not hinder them. It's like, oh, my goodness, what do you do with that? How do I, how do I control the kids? Here's that control thing, right? How do I control the kids and, 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 and yet have them grow? In the, you know, so all that's going on. And then, he, and then he tops it off, right? For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. It's like, okay, so actually I'm supposed to be like them. What? You know, it's upside down. See, if the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, Jesus says, let the children come to me, then maybe the one who needs to see some things differently is me. Theoretically, I'm the one who has more self-control than a two-, three-, or four-year-old. <laughs> I said Theoretically. Which means I would have a better ability to adjust than they do. And I'll just confess to you, it is a challenge for me because I was raised to be still quiet and unnoticed. That was what I was raised with. But one is the father and son are one, right? That's our series here. One is the father and son are one. Real life. Real life stuff. One is the father and son are one means that I need to stop looking at things like I want them. And consider them from God's perspective. What is God's view on this? And, and look, I get that we don't all agree on this. I, and we're not going to. This is one of those things where, you know, it's not like I'm right, you're wrong type of thing. This is something that, you know, we make choices about. But what I know to be absolutely true is what I said a little while ago. We, we love our kids and our youth in this place. We absolutely love the children and youth in this place, and we want them to grow to become who God created them to be. Amen. And as they grow, you will see changes in behavior in church and outside the church, and you see that here. And we believe in our youth being leaders. Our, you know, our youth group is 412 Youth, and it's taken from this passage in 1 Timothy. It says, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, and your purity. purity. Paul's writing reflects God's desire to raise up leaders of our youth. See, he was writing this to Timothy, who, who was a young adult, but he was leading. And so he's writing this to Timothy, and he's saying, look, you just honor God with who you are, all you are, and, 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 and lead. And it challenge, the flip of this as well, it's not just, you know, that, that we... We don't want to raise them. It's also a challenge for them. It's a challenge for you to be an example to others, you know, not to be seen as less than but as part of the church. That's why Drew and Katie and our, that's why you see our whole youth, all of our, you know, youth, and, and you know, they're leading. They're teaching us. The Riyar family, they're teaching us. 
to be part of taking this lead attitude, they're going to participate in the 30-hour famine, which is from World Vision. It's going to be February 22nd and 23rd. And World Vision's goal is to, is to stamp out hunger in the world. And so we're going to be taking 30 hours to experience hunger ourselves and to experience no electronic devices, which may be even harder, but we're <laughs> going to do both uh, while raising funds to battle hunger around the world. But here is a quick message to you from our youth about the 30-hour famine. For 12 youth at Arbor Point Church at West Jackson shares World Vision's goal of ending extreme poverty and hunger by 2030. On February 22nd and 23rd, we will participate in the 30-hour famine, and we are asking our church family and community to join us in reaching our goal of raising $500. By raising $500, we will feed one child for an entire year. When a child goes hungry in a faraway country, we just accept that it's just the way it is. A just way is unjust. It is time for us all to hunger for justice. All means all. No us, no them, it's all. Hunger isn't just, but our hunger can be. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Micah 6, 8. With the, the money raised, World Vision is able to do more than just provide money and food. They teach people to farm. They provide equipment to grow better crops. They improve water conditions, which in turn helps ensure healthier harvests. They fight childhood malnutrition through basic care of illnesses. During our preparation for the 30-hour famine, we are asking you to join us in praying daily and intentionally for the people of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. We pray specifically that God will make his love known to them and help them overcome their lives of poverty and injustice. More information can be found at 30hourfamine.org. I want to make a difference. 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 Together we can all make a difference. And y'all know that all means all. Oh, sorry. There's a, at the end of that, there is, uh, the, the, this will be posted online. If you go to 30hourfamine.org, then you, you, there's a search window. If you search for Arbor Point, you'll find uh, the place to help support us. See, one as a father and son are one when it comes to children and youth means that we will seek to engage with our children and youth. We as a congregation, we have this responsibility in raising children up as the way that they should and the way they should go and letting the children come even when it might not be exactly what we want to do, which is kind of like the disciples back then, right? It's like trying to protect trying to protect Jesus, trying to protect God. Sometimes we get in the way. Um, but Jesus is saying, they're not bugging me. You know, they're not bugging me. So we are to provide opportunities for our youth to take the lead wherever possible so that we can live this out, this idea of being the body of Christ together. And it's a two-way street. This is probably a familiar, this is from the Decalogue. It's a big churchy word. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. Paul wrote this to the church at but wrote this to the church at Ephesus and reminded them that this is the first commandment with a promise. You see, if you do this, then this is what's going to happen. So when we as adults live out our role and our, and our children and youth follow God's word, there is great promise for us all. And another way to put it is that when we pursue being one as the Father and the Son are one, great things will happen for us all. And you know what all means? All means all. Amen.